Thanks for joining us. We are wrapping up our first quarter overview of 2023. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the residential section and market overview, how things are performing on our side, and really what we're doing to take advantage of the market and create value right now. Absolutely. And we, you know, right now what we're seeing on the market is that uh, there, there's not a whole lot of apartment deals being sold. And the market's a lot tighter than it has been historically. And it's mostly driven because of interest rates and just tighter lending and uh, a lot of banks not being in the picture right now. It's a little uncertainty. So there's less deals that are coming to market. There's less that's able to be acquired. Significantly less too. I mean, we, we think about the lending market and the permanent debt market is still very much there. You know, you're still able to get debt in the fives, high, you know, maybe low 6% range, fixed with Fannie products, uh, with interest-only periods. Like, that debt is still there. It's not that bad. I mean, it wasn't too long ago right. that 5.5%, 6% debt was, was something that happened. So, although it's not 3%, it's still pretty good fixed-rate debt. What's gone is the bridge debt or the value-add debt or that floating yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of the uh, a lot of the developers are you know, are are unable to get their development projects out of out of the ground. A lot of the big value add lifts, you know, the, those local lenders that believe in the community that can invest in the community, the regional banks, right, are not around for lending yeah, right now. Most of that was balance sheet lending too. Those regional banks would they'd work on the deal with you. They'd make sure it made sense locally, and then once you hit a stabilized value, you could cash that out with Fannie. That was really your refi takeout and. And without that kind of entry slug of debt right there, it's hard to just magically only have stabilized deals. Right. And so yeah. overall, what we're seeing with Fannie and Freddie, they generally price their deals about 220 basis points above the 10-year treasury. The 10-year is about 3.3. So you would see rates around 5.5. And, and you can generally get at least five years interest only, depending on the deal, maybe up to seven or 10 years interest only. So the, the lending market is still healthy. And the... It's, it's allowing for cap rates to still kind of hold firm at relatively low yeah. prices. Certainly. I mean, there's been some rise of cap rates, right? So we've some, seen some value, you know, capitalized value loss in the multifamily side, but not like it went away. Right. Prices are still right. very high. And we think about those prices too. You're also, you're paying for future rents still. So all the deals we're seeing out there, those are still deals where, part of the value of your current acquisition is banking on future rents. Yeah, so I was looking at a deal last week that they, it was a roughly 200 unit deal and they'd taken 10 units, renovated them and increased rents by $400 a unit. They wanted you to pay for the whole property what they had done for 10 units. And it's, it, it's pretty difficult to, to price, that into the pri price that into the deal without the renovation cost <laughs> built into yeah, the capital stack. you're just going to magically get that increase in value. Yeah, so I mean, that's still very much in the market right now is, is that viewpoint that, you know, things are probably worth a little bit more than the cash flow that they're actually generating. You know, you're buying on this future pro forma that you can get to and assuming that there's no operational risk to get there, right? That's what we're seeing kind of overall in the, you know, what's out there, what's for sale, uh, how are things looking? So we want to dive into our properties and what we're seeing on our performance base. And, and again, we're only here in the Southeast. Mostly all of our apartments uh, in residential units are between Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. So we have a, a small subset of the, of the country as a whole, but an area that you know, we've been operating in for 
almost 15 years now, right? We look at revenue. This is something we're always reporting on. Everyone wants to know, like, what's revenue look like? What are your rental rate gains look like? And there's a big difference between revenue and rental rate gains. Revenue is just everything that's collected, where you may have rental rate gains, but you saw an increase in vacancy because you went after that rental rate gains, and therefore your revenue may be flat. So in our uh, first quarter, we were up about 4% uh, year over year. So that's not, uh, that's not a huge revenue gain, and we'll get into a little bit of what we're doing on the value creation side still to capture higher rental rates on our properties. But we are seeing rental rates on specific units that are still increased between 15 and 20%. So we get some assets where you have 19, 20% annualized rental rate increases, uh, just keeping up with market, or in our case, most of the time a little behind market. We're not trying to be the leader in rental rates. Yeah, properties like that we have like Kingstown and Amberwood that have been well-performing assets and um, have been well-occupied, and we have, we've had rents in the eight 900 range for years. Uh, we've decided to basically take a couple units offline and renovate them and see what the market has to offer. And we've seen four, five, even a couple cases, we saw $600 monthly rental gains. So we're taking advantage yeah. of that situation. And right as units come up, come up for turnover, we're improving them. Yeah. Well, we're using current cash flow to do that as well. If we look at costs, I think this is one area that... We're looking at new deals. We're looking at pro formas of stuff that's out there. Everyone's pointing to look at these great revenue gains. And while that is true, uh, and it's a great time to be investing in something that's having significant revenue gains, there have been a lot of cost increases that have come along uh, with those gains. And it's kind of, I'm not necessarily sure which one's leading the horse here because it seems like the cost gains are really driving the picture and it's forcing revenue gains into, the, into it as well. Yeah, the other thing we've discussed is how sticky those cost gains are compared to revenue gains. That, you know, the city increases your property taxes by 20%. That's not dialing back anytime soon. <laughs> it, it takes multiple years for that to, to, that to change in, in really any direction um, versus rental gains change on a monthly basis. Right. And not to make it like a dire picture, but if we go through just some of the cost increases we've seen this, this year alone, uh, in the past 12 months versus you know, the prior 12 months, our property taxes have increased. Once we got all of our bills to the end of 2022, some are bleed into 2023 for property taxes. Our overall property taxes are around $1,060 per unit. And in the trailing 12 months before that, they're around $915 a unit. So that's a big, that's a big jump that is sticky. That's not going away. Um, those Increases have to be passed through to residents if we want to maintain, just maintain our uh, profitability levels ac across any asset. So those are, those are pretty much here to stay on the expense structure. And then if we look at insurance, well, this is another area where you know, we were mentioning insurance rates in the $200 per unit. And that seems like a fairy tale a long time ago. We're now over $450 a unit for multifamily insurance, and that's up just, just this year. It's up 16%, or no, 29%. Yeah, 29% just this year that our insurance rates are up. And we, we have multiple approaches to master policies versus individual policies as we're looking at deals in different locations. But insurance has definitely been a cost that's steadily creeped up every single year. 
and I would say in more positive news, the our repairs and maintenance and wages, we've been our, our teams have done an incredible job with taking on a lot of the on-site manpower and labor and, um, and, and improving the properties on their own. And so our, our, our year-over-year repairs and maintenance and labor costs are only up 2.5%. So yeah, and predominantly, a big we, win. Well, we've seen an increase in materials costs and a decrease in labor costs. Where we're able to utilize better equipment and tools that are helping our teams be more efficient and then absorbing a lot of the cost increases we've seen uh, really across everything on the materials and supply side. Not, not only from getting it, but time delays associated with that as well that, that kind of show up in increased vacancy losses. It takes longer times to turn things simply based on getting materials. So, so Dave, so net-net, our revenue gains year over year were give or take $600,000. With, with the increases in expenses, how did, how did we come out overall? We came out still up about $200,000. So even though we had increases in the cost and we say, hey, we had a 15% insurance increase or gosh, I got that wrong every time now, 29%, you know, it's still not as dollar wise as big as the revenue gains that we did have. Um, so we're still net positive on that front, but it is certainly, you know, we have to have pretty significant rental rate gains tracked back to maintaining occupancy to be able to cover these these costs that are growing. And overall occupancy uh, right now in the first quarter, was, we're sitting about 92%. And you mentioned, you know, we are, we've got two assets we are, where we are reinvesting heavily into extended unit turns. So we have a lot of added, added vacancy because of that. But that's something we're doing across the portfolio as well, but really focus on two main properties for that work. So if we look at our controllable costs as a whole and what that means, it's like if we're underwriting deals and we're looking at anything, we want to make sure that growth of expenses applies to the expense side, you know, the below the line side there. So, you know, you're going to see that growth along with revenue growth that's, that's in there. So you, you don't really want to be projecting 15, 20% revenue gains and then a, expenses are only going to grow at 5%. It's not the case. They're, they're growing rapidly. And at some point, you know, 15% growth outpaces 4% growth. It's only a matter of time. On that, so looking at what that looks like long term, um, can certainly pose a challenging financial forecast. So, we have to go through and assess what are we doing to not only create additional value and add revenue, but really capture value that's in the system right now that we have. Um, and, then, and that leads in kind of the next point is, you know, if we are unable to do that, that's basically our opportune time to sell the property. And, and so we're, we're looking at selling two of our assets right now that we feel like we've just, we're, that we're, we're at a hedge between income growth and expense growth. And, and the market's so willing to pay up for assets and fu for future earnings. And so it's a good opportunity to sell them. Yeah, we're at a point where cash distributions relative to the equity that we have in the deal are not sufficient. And, and really, you could probably pick a specific formula you want to use for that or... or any investor could, but when we're looking at saying like, hey, we have a lot of equity and a little bit of cash distributions, that's when it's going to trigger. We probably need to realize that equity value that's there. And we have two deals we're doing that on right now where we are in the middle of exiting those positions and we'll create uh, some pretty big value from those. You know, we can think about we created value earlier, but you don't really actually get that value 
until you realize it and it's either in your checking account or it's in your 1031 exchange, wherever you want to put it, but until it's converted to actual dollars, it doesn't really count. So we've got two deals right now that uh, big value gains that we'll be looking at 1031s and you know we always walk through those options and what's out there. But that's really doing there. That's kind of that value capture. How do we capture that value that was created? If we think about value creation, we're also in the middle of doing that at a few deals as well. Yeah, the, the combo of, you know, Amberwood and Kingstown where we're renovating units. And then um, we're also looking at some of our mobile home parks and seeing if it makes more sense that our, our land basis is so low on these mobile home parks that the, the one that we're, that we're looking at in particular, our land basis is, is about 10000 a unit. And we can basically build and have brand new units for in the, call it one fifty, one sixty thousand dollars a unit and get rents over 2000 It All day that works. And we can build, you know, north of an eight cap, you know, much better than buying in today's market where you're buying older products, you know, 80s, 90s built deals for, uh, you know, south of a six cap. And that, that price, I mean, that relies on a very below market land value that we have since right. we've, since we purchased that deal so long ago that we were to mark that the current land value, our per unit cost would be much higher. That's a way we can create value in kind of what's out there right now. I mean, these are either the Amberwood scenario where we're doing big unit renovations uh, or physically going and building new, new within a community to add to it. Uh, both right now pencil out to be great opportunities to create uh, capital gains and, and value creation there. And the other part is just purely operating where we are seeing strong rental rate gains, but we are starting to notice that our time to lease is creeping up. So it's, uh, it's not that units are leasing instantaneously anymore, um, especially when you're looking at big, big market Absolutely. gains. I mean, a 15 to 20% just market rate increase in rent. You know, we're getting to the point now where it's been three or four years that, and people are starting to look, long and hard at how much are they paying in rent and how does this thing work long-term? Not necessarily that there's great opportunities to go buy anything that's affordable, but at any point, if you're in the, in the leasing cycle, you're looking at how can I make my dollar go as far as possible? Yeah, a quick side note on that is we, we manage our rental rates based on retention. So our, 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 our core metric in our business is 70% retention for our residential properties. And so if we see retention start dropping, say down to 55, 60%, we start dropping our market rates. If we see retention rise up to 80, 80, 90%, we've had several properties run at 90% for years now, we, we continually raise market rates. Yeah. And because we have so little turnover, those few units we, we try to take gains on. Yeah, so our, our strategy is really kind of agnostic to the market as a whole. Mm -hmm. If we're renting it for $1,000 a unit and we can't do it, then we gotta lower our price. Mm -hmm. Or if people are leaving too quickly, we gotta lower our price. Whereas the market could kind of be anywhere on its own, but it's really about how can we operate and how can we execute. So we certainly look at the market when we're setting rates, but you know, it all comes down to how well do we execute. I think that's where we think about what we've just covered on the revenue gains, cost gains, and how we're creating value in the current market. Uh, it's very much an operator market right now. So it's going to take, you know, to excel over the next 12 to 24 months is going to require operators are very on top of it, not necessarily a, a passive operation uh, in the current economy right now with everything that's going on on the revenue side and the, and the expense side. Mm -hmm. so, cool. 
All right, that's our update for the first quarter on the residential side. Hope this stuff is helpful as you kind of get a little look into how we think about our apartment and mobile home investments. And please let us know if you have any questions. Thanks. For more tips on operating and investing in real estate, please check us out at greenleafmanagement.com or find us on YouTube and Spotify.